Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly and co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. Today's topic, we have a panelist, uh, Brom Sable Smith. He is an investigative reporter with Wisconsin Public Radio and Wisconsin Watch, along with a be, being a frequent contributor to Kaiser Health News. Uh, today's discussion is going to be talking about something that is really near and dear to the heart. Uh, we are going to be talking about the evictions damage uh, that this can cause to the public health of our uh, people within our nation. Uh, the CDC aims to curb them for now, and there seems to be a big push to stop these evictions. Uh, Brom uh, also, uh, he, is a, uh, he is a reporting, has received two national Edward R. Murrow Awards. And if you don't know, that's a really prestigious award. <laughs> and also two national Sigma Delta Chi Awards, a health policy award from the Association of Healthcare Journalists, among uh, others. So I am going to, I'm saying very pleased and honored to have Brahm on the phone. So why don't you tell us something about this whole issue about these evictions, why they're happening, and what should be done about it? Um, so public health researchers for years uh, have been showing there's, there's a large body of evidence. It's a growing body of evidence. They've shown a link between evictions and health. It, you know, it, it's an adverse link. So evictions are linked to um, some pretty, uh, I think, some obvious health issues. You know, they're linked with stress, depression, um, negative mental health issues. But they're also linked with um, other adverse health events that um, may be a little bit less obvious, one of them being, you know, increased respiratory disease uh, in people who get evictions. But with the coronavirus crisis that we're having right now, it's really bringing that connection to the forefront because, we're, we're in the middle of a pandemic where being able to recover, being able to recuperate, being able to socially distance uh, is dependent on having a home. I mean, you, you hear all these governors, all these um, politicians issuing stay-at-home orders. Inherent in that is that you have a home that you can stay in. So um, really, this, um, this pandemic has really shed a light on the public health crisis that goes along with evictions. Um, and so it's a really, really serious issue right now. Some researchers this summer estimated that we could be seeing as many as 40 million Americans losing their homes due to the pandemic. That's without interventions. Well, that is just an, uh, a ter- terrible number, 40 million Americans. Um, you know, this the scale of that is just amazing. Uh, I mean, that's more than 10 percent of the people who are in this nation now, right? Uh, it's just it's uh, a huge number, yeah. Yeah. And, and and that forty million also, I'm not sure if that accounts for their family members. So that could be an entire family, and not just one individual as one of those forty million people losing a home, right? It's, That's it's, right. So it's really pretty devastating. So how how does this tie to the economic situation? I know that we're going through economic turmoil now, you know, nationally because of the coronavirus with people losing That's their right. jobs and 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 those sorts of things. So it's a disaster, right? We would not go into a Hurricane Katrina and tell you that, you know, you need to uh, have money to buy a ticket to get on this helicopter to get out of here, right? 
That's right. Um, yeah, I mean, it it's completely goes hand in hand with the economic crisis that this has caused. It, it, it's, there's so many crises happening at the same time, economic and, and uh, pandemic-wise as well. They're, they're completely tied together. So, you're, you know, we have all these people who are out of work um, because of the pandemic through no fault of their own. Uh, and if you don't have work, you can't pay your rent. If right. you can't pay your rent, you get evicted. It's almost as simple as that. But um, there's some other factors that are happening here that are making it, unfortunately, a lot worse. So when Congress passed um, pandemic relief in March, states had the flexibility to use some of that money that was coming from the federal government to uh, help people with rental assistance. Um, there was there was extra benefits for unemployed people. So you remember for a while people were getting, in addition to un, to expanding the the types of uh, workers who can qualify for unemployment, for a while there, all unemployed workers were getting an extra six hundred dollars a week as well. That was really really mm-hmm. useful money yes. uh, to help people. People were using that money to buy food and stay in their homes. Um, we don't have that anymore. That extra six hundred dollars has gone away. Um, we, we, um, uh, governors are, you know, depending on where you live around the country, there is rental assistance, but there's not enough of it. So a place like Wisconsin, where I'm calling you from, we have, you know, tens of millions of dollars available for the residents of Wisconsin. We need much more. If you're in a, a larger state like Florida, there's hundreds of millions of dollars available for rental assistance, but they need much more there as well. We have a real inadequate amount of um, rental assistance to help people who have lost their jobs because of the pandemic, can't find work because of the pandemic. We need to keep these people in their homes um, to protect to protect the society, to keep the coronavirus from spreading. And a lot of that money is just not there anymore. It's dried up from what we passed in March. And that's that's a real problem. Yeah, that it really is. And, you know, you're making me think, <laughs> which is always a good thing, I think. <laughs> but, uh, you know, one of the things that you also put pressure on is the people who are in uh, shelters, homeless shelters, have to now take on that extra uh, burden of having extra people coming into their systems. You have food pantries and uh, those things with food insecurity. That becomes a big issue as well. And then the churches really can't have you come in or the synagogues and mosques because now uh, you, you really can't have assemblies. So that, that was really a, an important thing for people who found themselves in those situations. Those seem to be three really important touch points for someone who is homeless. And uh, so, you know, do you think there's a need to really ramp those services up as well? Because as these evictions are occurring, we need to stop the bleeding, of course. And we need to take care of the people who have already bled out of this uh, this problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and you know it's it's just another example of this pandemic shedding light on the inadequacies of the mm-hmm. um, you know public health infrastructure of the social safety nets that we have. Right, right. Uh, where do people go when when we can't congregate? You know, I'm in Ma- I'm calling right. you from Madison, Wisconsin, mm-hmm. um, where you know maybe about four or five blocks from my house, there's a, a homeless shelter that has already been full for years. Um, mm-hmm. You know, right now we're trying to build a bigger one so we'll have larger capacity. Um, so we we already didn't have enough resources for for the homeless community, 
And then you add on top of it people who are having housing insecurity because of this pandemic. It's a huge deal. Uh, Two blocks from my house, there's a park that's normally, you know, this time of year, they'll set up a stage and have music festivals or or something like that. And and now it's full of of tents. I was driving by there today. There's just dozens of tents where people are actually living there. Um, and we're, we're not in the winter yet, so it's it's a very challenging time already, and the winter is going to make it a lot more so. Yeah, you know, in Chicago, there was a kind of a movement to um, help the children out, at least during this time uh, period, during food insecurity, because um, we have almost, I think it's 17,000 children who are homeless who attend, you know, the Chicago public wow. school system. And uh, so we actually, you know, had to make sure that they had food. And many of them were relying on, you know, breakfast and lunch. And, you know, uh, one of our uh, guests in the past uh, a few months ago was mentioning that uh, one of the children was sitting in their office and uh, said, well, you know, I, um, you know, you know, he was saying, well, don't, don't you like it that we're having a holiday coming up? And he said, no, I hate holidays. And this is before the pandemic. And he said, and he said, why do you hate holidays? He said, because I don't eat uh, breakfast and lunch that day. And so we have to really look at the reality of what people are going through. And it, it is, it's incumbent on us to really do something. So w- what do you think that some of the steps we could be taking as an individual or, you know, to, to sort of combat this or, you know, voice an opinion or do something mm-hmm. to help people in this situation? Mm-hmm. Well, one resource that's available for people who are facing, mm-hmm. well, there's a few important resources, actually, I should say. Mm-hmm. One, there are community organizations who have rental assistance. So if any of your listeners are facing housing insecurity themselves or they know people who are, there are rental assistance programs that are available that can help you pay rent. There are assistance programs that can help people pay their utility bills, which is a huge issue right now as we're coming into winter. Those resources exist. And one of the hardest things about those programs is getting people to to know that they exist, getting people to apply for them. Mm -hmm. That's really crucial. Um, so if you know somebody who's facing those programs, you know, you can do a quick Google search. You can find these programs in Chicago, in Wisconsin, wherever you're listening. Mm-hmm. These programs exist, um, and they're really they're there to be used. They're there to be used. So that's absolutely fundamental. Um, another, another resource that's in place is that the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, issued an eviction moratorium um, yes. that goes through the end of this year. Now, that doesn't just keep people in their homes. People who think that they can qualify for this moratorium have to be proactive. There's a actually like a legal document mm-hmm. that you have to sign um, saying that I cannot pay my rent this month uh, because of, and you have to give like a, um, a qualifying reason um, okay. that will be pandemic related. You have to agree to work with your landlord to pay them as much as possible. You really have to be proactive it's a, it's a real requirement to be proactive um, to get this form signed and work with your landlord with it. But that's another resource that's available to help um, people um, stay in their homes. So those those are two really important resources that, again, the biggest barrier for them is just knowing that they exist. They're, a lot of them are relatively new programs, and so mm-hmm. spreading the word about those things can be really, really useful. Yeah, because it's kind of a you know it's a complex problem because you you have landlords who have to pay taxes, who have to pay you know heating bills, and you know if you if you have a you know multi unit um, tenement or that kind of thing that uh, people are living in, and it seems like the you know somehow 
uh, we need to have uh, some people who are in the legislature or who are making these decisions realize how much of a crisis this is and to sort of help everyone out in this situation, make sure that you can stabilize these families. You know, um, I was reading this article about uh, some people in Wisconsin, I guess, uh, and it's, it's, every, it's happening in every state, uh, but they were having uh, difficulties with, you know, having, um, you know, staying in their home. And uh, we have veterans who are in the same situation who have, you know, fought in combat. And, you know, having them go on the street is just unconscionable. And we haven't talked about, you know, now you were talking about the environmental exposures. And I, I used to be the director for the Illinois Department of Public Health in the, in the not too recent past. <laughs> and uh, that that is really heart-wrenching because the people who are most uh, susceptible to the real severe consequences of COVID-19 are people with chronic medical conditions, people who are senior citizens, you know, above the age of 50 is where we had the highest death rate. So, you know, it seems unconscionable that we would evict these people. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, I mean, one of the things that you're, you're getting at there is that it's really unfortunate, but it's also, the it's not surprising. The people who are suffering the most during this pandemic, the, this pandemic is just exposing uh, the problems that we've already had in a way that mm-hmm. makes it really impossible to ignore in my mind. You you hit on something as well that I think is a really important point, mm-hmm. which is that um, legislatures, Congress, people in, with the ability to to pass new laws, to take new initiatives, um, they, they really have a, a strong responsibility right now. So I, I mentioned mm-hmm. the eviction moratorium that's in place. Um, that's through the Centers for Disease Control. It's a U.S. moratorium. So that can prevent a landlord from evicting their tenant um, through the end of the year. But if the tenant can't pay them, you know, between now and December, that's months of rent that they still owe. And so they might just get evicted again in January because, as you said, rightfully, right. you know, these landlords also have bills to pay. They have utility bills to pay. They have property taxes. They might have loans on these things. Both, that's all money that they owe as well. And so <laughs> when we have this moratorium that doesn't have additional rental assistance, that doesn't have these additional unemployment benefits that we're really doing a good job of keeping people housed and keeping them fed earlier in the pandemic. When those things are gone, we're just, you know, kicking the can down the road in terms of this housing, this housing crisis or, or, or eviction crisis. So we could, unless something changes, unless there's a new order from the Centers for Disease Control um, in January, unless there's more rental assistance uh, put forward by mm-hmm. our political leaders, we could be looking. We may have just kicked the can until January. You know, the, right, right, the right. Heat of winter. Um, <laughs> that might just be the time when we see a really massive eviction crisis if there's no more assistance to go along with it. So it's really concerning. You really put your finger on a real important point there. Oh, thank you. Yeah. You know, and, and, and one of the things that, uh, you know, Brom, that I, I was thinking is also that, you know, you just hit it on, uh, you just put another point on the table is that we're going into the winter season. I mean, this is the worst, harshest type of time of year for someone to be evicted. Um, you know, it's always terrible, but it's particularly in the winter when you had children or, you know, elderly people in your family and you are, you know, the caregiver for this family, you know, uh, this is going to be horrendous for people um, to actually go out into this kind of climate. And the first the first duty of government, um, and it, it's the number one, if you look at the Constitution, any of the Federalist Papers, anything, is to protect the people. 
And so it's a it's a monumental failure when you can't take care of the number one uh, goal that you have as a uh, leadership team in the country. There's I, 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 I've been saying this repeatedly, and it, it ah, seems yes. to be becoming more and more true. Um, yes. I mean, people are suffering. People are really suffering. Right. Uh, uh, I talk to a lot of them in the reporting I do, and it, I mean, it's heartbreaking. People are really suffering from these dual pandemics. And, you know, um, speaking of the winter, you know, the worst case scenario, if if you get evicted, if you, if you lose your home, the worst case scenario is that, you know, you end up homeless, um, you know, going to a shelter or, mm-hmm. you know, in the tents near my home. That's the worst case scenario. But there's other scenarios that are you know, they're never great, but they're increasingly bad right now during a pandemic like this. Mm-hmm. So, for example, doubling up. Um, mm-hmm. w- one of the couples who I interviewed who were actually able to stay in their home because they got rental assistance, their daughter, uh, mm-hmm. this couple lives in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Their daughter lived in St. Louis with her son, their grandson. Mm-hmm. She lost her job at um, a daycare facility in St. Louis that had to close. Mm-hmm. Because she lost her job, she couldn't afford her home anymore. So what did she do? She moved back in with her parents in Milwaukee. So now you have okay. a family. Um, now you have a family sharing a home. So that's not not necessarily a huge deal. But if everybody's working, which they are, what do we know about the transmission of the coronavirus? That the people who you right. live with are the people who are most likely. Um, that, that's the most likely spreading event. Is within your own home. So when we're increasing the number of people who are in a given home, that's also not a, not a great outcome. Um, that's not something we're looking for really ever, but especially right now during a pandemic when we're worried about that kind of transmission in home. That's right. And then you have to look at the uh, traveling and going across state lines and coming from one place to another and, you know, all the implications of that as well. Uh, and, you know, and also, you know, as far as the uh, food insecurity you know, if you do have uh, the need to take medications, I'm not sure if how that's affecting that. Uh, some people may even fall off of their, uh, you know, insurance if they are unemployed. Um, you know, the COBRA can be uh, pretty, uh, as it says, the COBRA, it's appropriately named uh, as far as, uh, you know, trying to make those payments, you know, for the kind of your health insurance coverage. So if you're on certain medications you need on insulin or, you know, things to take your heart medications, it can be, it can be a really devastating impact on, on a family. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, health insurance is another, yeah. it's all, it's another part of this. It's an, it's another inadequacy that we have, uh, in general, um, you know, we, we still have plenty of people who are uninsured or underinsured. Mm-hmm. And uh, w- with so much um, with so much insurance tied to people's jobs, I mean, this is a really big issue. I think Wisconsin, in Wisconsin, I think we have the second highest percentage of people who get their insurance through their jobs. Mm-hmm. If you get your insurance through your job and that job doesn't exist anymore, which is the case for a lot of people, um, you don't have insurance. And that's a really big deal. I mean, you mentioned insulin. You're talking to, I'm a type 1 diabetic. I, oh, I, I know so. this very well. Uh, I mean, there's people whose lives, people like me, whose lives really depend on your ability to access and afford uh, medications. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And, and, and that's, a, that's a critical, you know, critical issue. Uh, you know, and the healthcare system right now is also, you know, finding itself in a conundrum because it has to uh, take care of all those chronic medical conditions that are existing. Uh, you know, I'm a hypertensive, I have, you know, hypertension and take medication for that. And so, you know, those conundrums when people are, 
you know, faced with some of the issues that um, underlie the chronic medical conditions, and you put on top of that, you know, then moving into a uh, homeless situation, it can be, you know, devastating to people. And we, you know, the mental health services that are needed behind that as well, you know, uh, because that, that, you know, that can undermine who you are as a person. You know, many people identify with the jobs that they do. So if they are, you know, a, um, a fireman, you know, that's wh- who they are. If they're a par- paramedic, that's who they are. And you lose those jobs or, you know, uh, you know, if you're, you know, a steel worker or that, that can be devastating to a person, you know, uh, emotionally, not only uh, financially. And to be on the street in a nation that's the richest nation in the world, uh, it, it doesn't make any sense. It, it seems like we really need to be uh, putting more emphasis on what it means to be supporting people in this country. Absolutely. I mean, I think it starts with, it starts with, it starts with compassion, really, just understanding yes. That, yes. That, that these are people. I mean, these are mothers, brothers, fathers, you know, these are people, um, the people who, who this pandemic is hitting economically and, and um, health-wise. These, these are people, and, and I think we'd, be, we'd do well to understand that, to appreciate that more. Yes, absolutely. And so, so um, what do you think are some of the things that uh, we could do? You know, because we have other people, like, you know, I'm, I'm sitting around and my wife and I, you know, uh, she, she wanted to go and, you know, we gave water out to people. You can uh, sometimes get, donate food. You can do things to help people. But it seems like we need to have more of a directed interaction with this thing. This is not a problem that you can just – you know, sort of like you were mentioning. So we wait till January, and now all of a sudden, you know, give me everything that you owed me <laughs> that you didn't have the money to give give me before. You know, now it's a lump sum. <laughs> uh, that 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 is, makes no sense to me. <laughs> but uh, right. but I'm not a legislator, so. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, now here you are, and you're you know uh, at that point where you know you have to sort of uh, ante up for something that uh, you are coming out of a disaster. We can't ask people to come out of a disaster. Uh, and there, there must be something else that we as people can do, you know, either writing our legislators or doing something to bring more of a focus and saying that this is a this is a campaign issue for everyone, not just, you know, we, we're going through, uh, you know, we're nonpartisan in the show, but we're going through this whole legislative cycle right now. But everyone who's coming through, they need to know that even on a local level, it's important for them to be involved in this fight uh, for our, for our uh, you know, our protection. Yeah. And, and I think it's also really important to note that there are um, community organizations who are doing really good work. Um, and, and I think that's an important note. I mean, that's the way that we've chosen as a country to um, funnel the kind of resources that we are creating uh through our federal government, through our state governments, we're funneling those resources through community organizations who are on the ground who have been doing this work for a really long time. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I look to those organizations who, who are there, who are doing the work. They're doing a lot more of it now. Okay. Um, I look to those organizations. You know, personally, my, my wife and I will be supporting uh, 
there's a community organization right, right by our house who okay. they do a lot of, of good in the community, including a, a food pantry Great. Um, and, and and those kinds of resources. So okay, okay we're supporting them. Oh, but we're running out of time. But uh, I just want to thank you. Thank you so much. We're going to have to have you back. I love talking to you. Uh, we've had a really great conversation, and uh, we need to have you back on the show. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.